Welcome to Thrive, your agency resource, the only podcast for creative, media, and technology leaders who are ready to dive deeper into conscious leadership and agency growth. I'm your host, Kelly Campbell. Thrive is brought to you by Accessibility, the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Join thousands of agencies that are already incorporating web inclusivity into their service offerings. Visit accessibility.com today. So welcome back to Thrive, your agency resource. On the last episode, I was joined by Amanda Canners from Accessibility, when we talked about how agencies can actually be change makers when it comes to inclusivity. Well, today I have Stefan Wiedner on the show. He's the CEO of both Numi and Zarango, and a psychological safety expert focused on developing teams and organizations through behavioral changes among leaders. Stefan, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to have you on the show and to have you here. Kelly, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm honored. I'm really glad that you reached out because I think that this is a pretty important conversation and one that we haven't necessarily um, kind of delved into before on the show. We've talked a lot about psychological safety and belonging and inclusion, but the changes that we actually have to make as leaders, I think that is, you know, outside the context of a concept or an, an idea what are those changes, right? Like this is a really important conversation because we want to have some actionable takeaways. So let's start off the conversation with, I think, our perception or our understanding of our people as agency leaders. Like I know when I was you know, running my agency, we may have thought that our people felt safe and supported, right? But what has your experience actually taught you? Mm, well, Kelly, uh, my experience is that it's perhaps bimodal. I, I'm part of a roundtable with a bunch of other CEOs, and two of them have their own agency. And right at the beginning of COVID, I remember, there was all this uncertainty. And, and that was a massive topic for all of us as CEOs, because we didn't know what was going to happen. And then one of the questions that our facilitator likes to ask is around your culture and your team and how's everyone doing? And when that question came up, we had two separate responses from these two agency owners. One said, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how my people are doing. And then yeah. the other one said, they're all stressed out. And I'm stressed out because I don't know what the future holds. I don't know how all of this is going to affect our agency and our business. We lost a big contract, but... You know, there's all this fluctuation and uh, activity happening. And so one totally got it, understood that their team was stressed. And the other was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know how they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what does that tell you? You know, what are some of the questions that you've asked of organizational leaders where they seem to think that they know what's happening, but when you start getting into the questions and sort of that uh, the compassionate inquiry, if you will, they don't really have the confidence in their answers. That's right. And and I think, remember, going back to the beginning of COVID, also there's this transition of moving away from an office to remote working. I think a lot of agencies probably were already familiar with working remotely, but that was an additional factor, which makes it harder to be tapped into your people, right? When you're not seeing them every day, when you just have these Zoom meetings, 
So that I think people lost some connection there. And I think that really all of that fluctuation, that change, that's when it really shows who's connected with their people and who's able to foster teamwork and all that sort of stuff better than others. And I think that's a a particular skill that we really focus on. So when you talk about behavior change, those are some of the behaviors that we talk about is what are the behaviors that have your team really engaged, contributing, sharing ideas so that they feel like they're able to show up and be their full best selves at work, as opposed to just, you know, punching the clock and doing what my boss says. Right. So let's get a little bit more concrete for a minute. Okay. Say that deliberate practice is the secret to sustained behavior change. Tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that and what kind of specific practices are we talking about? Yeah, well, let's make it really simple. Can you learn to play the piano by reading a book, Kelly? No. What about watching YouTube videos of really good piano players? Without the the actual physicality, the the doing, probably not. Probably not, right? So why is it that we feel like we can read a book on leadership or we can watch someone on YouTube or go to a Tony Robbins talk? That is valuable. Like there's some knowledge transfer there, but that's not skill development. That's not deliberate practice. So when you're playing the piano, for example, and you're trying to get better at playing the piano, you know, you need to spend time on the keyboard, right? And there's a specific type of practice for me, for example, I, I learned to play the guitar about five years ago. And for the first two years, it was like every week I was learning a new song. I was learning new chords and all this sort of stuff. Now, I spend time on my guitar, but I'm not getting any better. Mm -hmm. It's because I'm not doing deliberate practice. I'm practicing. Sure. I'm, I pick up the guitar, but I'm not deliberately practicing. And what it means to deliberately practice then means to incorporate some of the core principles of practice for improving and changing behavior. And one of those, for example, is that you want to be on the edge of your learning ability. So with the piano, you know, you would go see a teacher or someone who can give you instruction, give you feedback and say, okay, next you want to try this. And that next skill needs to be not so difficult that you lose hope and, you know, you quit and it can't be so easy that it's boring for you. Right. So there needs to be this, this sort of attunement to where are you at and be practicing at that right level. The same thing with sports, right? You want to be on the edge of your ability. So that's one of the core principles. Another core principle is that you take all of the skills and you break them down. In sports, for example, you know, you learn, let's say in basketball, dribble your the ball with right hand, dribble with left hand, shoot with right hand, shoot with left hand, pass, bounce pass. You know, you're learning all these individual skills. And then what do you do in a game? You put them all together, right? And then in the game is when you have to practice using the different skills at the right time given the moment. So that's what we do for helping leaders develop their interpersonal skills Mm -hmm. is we break down the skills into individual skills that you can practice one at a time. And we use software to be able to have them practice those skills, get feedback, try again, get more feedback, try again, that kind of thing. So that there's a demonstrated upskilling from beginning to the end of the training program. That's in fact, one of the things that we do is we ask people to respond to, we basically have software that's like a flight simulator for Mm. interpersonal skills. Mm. And so you practice at the beginning and you get a baseline, then you practice at the end and then you can see 
we can assess the skills at before and after, but even as an individual, you don't need to be a trained assessor to look at and go, wow, that was me at the beginning. And wow, this is me at the end. There's a demonstrable increase in your ability to respond to challenging moments within a team. Okay. So that's exactly what we're talking about, right? We're talking about conscious communication. We're talking about pausing instead of reacting, right? Responding instead of reacting. So it's really about emotional regulation and conscious awareness and choice of how we speak, how we verbalize our body language is, are these like the things that you're, you're assessing? A hundred percent. So we have, there are skills that you need to learn, like, for example, how to ask an open-ended question, Mm -hmm. right? There is a certain structure for an open-ended question. It can't be answered with a yes or no. It generally starts with what or how. And so those are the easy parts. The, The more subtle are the tone with which you ask the question the pacing of your words and all that sort of stuff. So that's sort of the, uh, the the more intangible component, which we also assess and help people get better on. And uh, because of course that matters, right? Because it's one thing to say, so, um, <laughs> you know, what's your feedback versus I'm really curious, what what's your feedback? How can I get better? You know, like the tone, how you ask the question makes a difference. Right. It's really interesting because you talk about this sometimes as executive presence, right? And Mm -hmm. from my coaching background, that's coaching presence, right? So I was curious when I saw that phrase, are you actually taking concepts from, from coaching certification here and teaching leaders how to model that for their employees? Is that really what this is? And I don't mean to simplify it, but it sounds very similar. Absolutely. I think executive presence is ambiguous to some extent, like, what does that mean? And so I think we try to concretize that a little bit. And I think what it often means is you're creating, you're demonstrating persuasiveness, you're demonstrating verbal fluency, you know, you speak with confidence, you, you, but you also can field questions from people around you. So you demonstrate curiosity, right? It's not just my way or the highway. It's I'm confident in my ability, but I'm also confident in your ability. So tell me and explain to me what you see in the future, right? So that, so these are some of the, what we try to break down for people so that they can practice those individual components. Yeah. I'm smiling because I think that there is this, this inherent dynamic tension between confidence, right? And holding space, confidence and not needing to know the answers, confidence and trusting your team as much as you trust yourself right? There is always that I want to show up as the leader. I want people to respect me and I want people to believe in me and, and all of these things. And I want to be influential and persuasive and make people feel comfortable and safe within my organization. And how do I do that? Show up that way, which if we want to talk about it from a little bit of like Buddhist terminology or energetic terminology, that's, you know, more of a masculine sort of characteristic, right? I don't mean, I'm not talking about gender here, just showing up in that like uber confident way. And then also bringing in that more feminine energy, right? Where it's curiosity and empathy and being okay with vulnerability and collaboration and all of these things. So yeah, there's a little bit of a dynamic tension. I just, I hear this from agency leaders all the time 
just even in my coaching sessions, right? Mm. How do I show up this way and also hold space, right? And I think the imperative there is the and, not the or, right? It's there isn't, it's not one or the other. At any given moment, from what you're saying, is you can show up as both, but that takes practice. Mm-hmm. That brings me to a thought. Uh, I like that masculine and feminine energy that you're you're talking about. And it reminds me of our definition of psychological safety, because all of this behavior change that we're talking about as leaders, what are we trying to achieve? What are we hoping our leaders that go through our training will be able to be better served at doing at the end of our training? And that is to foster psychological safety. Remember, right at the beginning, we talked about what these two different agency owners, one who was who was tapped into their people and the other one that wasn't. And so ultimately, what does it mean to be tapped into your people? For us, it means that you have psychological safety. You you create an environment where everybody has the belief that they can speak up, share ideas, express concerns, admit mistakes without any fear of reprimand. So that's the definition by Amy Edmondson, who is really popularizing psychological safety. She's a researcher out of Harvard. Yeah. Yeah, right. She's so... So she's doing a great job of bringing that work forward. And our working definition for psychological safety kind of embraces that male and female energy that you talked about. Yeah. We we say that psychological safety is the courage to speak up. So that's maybe that male energy and the confidence to know that you'll be heard. So as a leader and manager, you need to create an environment where people can do both of those things. They can speak up. Yes. And when they do speak up, they were are confident that they're going to be heard. If you think about people who protest, for example, they're speaking up, they have the courage to speak up, but do you notice how they don't necessarily have the confidence to know that they're being heard? Mm. Right. And we want to create an environment where that is true, where people feel like if I do speak up, I will be acknowledged, I will be heard. And, and so that's ultimately the behavior change we're trying to facilitate is How do we as leaders give people the courage to speak up? So you're creating an environment where everybody can speak up and they're confident that when they do, they will be heard. Did you know that one out of five people in the U.S. is living with some form of disability? I'm proud to partner with Accessity as they work toward the mission of making the web accessible to everyone. It's time to prioritize inclusivity. Ensure that your own website and your client sites can be accessed by all and that they're ADA compliant. Head over to accessibly.com forward slash thrive to learn more about their agency partner program. Now back to the show. So let's go back for a second, because I think that there's another aspect of this. If if we sort of break this down as a multifaceted or multi-aspect conversation, One of the other things that you speak about, which I personally don't think it's enough attention, is the practice of turning interpersonal conflict into generative collaboration, to use your words. Can you talk a little bit more about how that specifically drives growth for an organization such as an agency? That's a good question, Kelly. And I I think what we can all probably relate to is you're in a meeting, someone says something, you're not sure how to respond to it. You're thinking, was that offensive? I'm not sure. <laughs> was that offside? I don't know. I think I need to say something. I don't know what to say. And, and so what 
in some uh, organizational behavior parlance, that would be called a breakdown. There's some sort of breakdown. Mm -hmm. And the tension is often within teams to move back to politeness. Like, ooh, that was awkward. Let's just, you know. Sweep it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Sweep it under the rug. Like, that was awkward. That was uncomfortable. Um, And what we see a lot with our training is leaders and managers wanting to take things offline. Like, oh, time out. Uh, I need to talk to you all individually or one or two of you kind of thing. But then it leaves the rest of the team going, what just happened? That was really awkward. Now what do I do? I don't know. I guess they'll talk about it. We'll talk about it next week, maybe the following. I don't know. It never gets addressed. So there's a lot of tension towards politeness. And so what we want to do is we want to take that breakdown when it happens and be able to constructively move towards it so that everyone can speak up and share their concerns and maybe even have some, you know, there's room for debate and discussion Because that's how you start to generate new ideas. That's how you overcome the challenges that you've been having. And I think a lot of agencies were forced to really have these kinds of conversations with COVID because suddenly their business totally dried up or maybe went the other way around, right? Suddenly demand went through the roof and you can't find enough people and everyone's overworked. How do you deal with that? So regardless, change is a factor that can lead to new generative ideas and ways of doing business. And there needs to be room for that. So as a leader, that's what you need to be able to do. You need to be able to create room for those uncomfortable discussions so that new ideas, new ways of doing business can be brought forward. And herein is the, the courage that you're talking about earlier, right? Like that's, you have to be courageous as a leader to say, I want to be able to not take this offline. I want to be able to have these conversations, even if they're slightly difficult or slightly uncomfortable. I want, I mean, creating a culture where everyone feels that safe to be able to say, Hey, I kind of see a risk there, or I'm concerned about this or, you know, whatever the situation may be as the leader, because everyone else is going to follow your lead. Right. So if you're the one pushing in and leaning forward to say, let's not take this offline, right? Like, let's actually talk about this. We've got everybody on Zoom or everybody at a conference table. Let's talk about this. I want to hear your concerns. I want to hear, you know, your feedback. I want to hear something that maybe we encountered in a previous project or with a different client that's very similar. What can we learn from that? I think most agency leaders really want cultures that feel like that, that sound like that, but they really have a tough time, A, understanding how to get there, right? How to feel comfort in the discomfort, right? That's one of of the issues. And then just how to actually facilitate or or create that kind of space. So yeah, there's there's work to do for agency leaders, but I'm really happy (laughs) that you know there are folks like you and I out there who are who are helping with specific nuanced things like this, the behavioral change. So Stefan, if we were to think about one of the, we've covered so many different aspects of behavioral change today and and different nuances of that. If we could leave the listeners with one actionable takeaway, what does that typically sound like for you? Well, I want to come back to the tying on to what we just said. Yeah. Um, So in those moments when it feels really uncomfortable and you don't know what to say. That's where you might take some bold 
statement position, say, okay, I'm the leader. I'm going to take this thing forward. Or you sweep it under the rug. I'm going to offer a new suggestion here uh, for folks. And it, it basically comes down to uh, one of the concepts that we teach people within our course. It's the four-player model. It's really simple. I'll explain it with my own family. So I have two kids, two teenage kids. And what might often happen on, say, a Friday evening is my daughter will say, hey, I'd love to, let's watch a movie tonight. And then my wife will say, okay, yeah, that sounds great. My son being, you know, a boy, he'll, (laughs) and and it's not that he's a boy. It's that he's going to oppose his sister. He's so he's like, nah, I don't want to watch a movie. That's stupid. And then I'll say, okay, so it sounds like you want to watch a movie. You're happy to do whatever, as long as we're all doing something together. And you're just going to oppose your sister no matter what. <laughs> and so that's the four-player model in an instance. My daughter, is she's moving. So think of it like a baseball diamond. She's at one base and she's moving. So she's, she's saying, let's do this. Then my wife is following and she's saying, okay, I'm happy to do that. Then there's a third position, which is my son, who's the opposer. He's going to say, no, I don't want to watch a movie. And then I'm the bystander. I'm looking at the bigger picture saying, okay, you want this, you want that, you're happy to do this. So I'm sort of reflecting back what's happening in the group. And so, and there's a lot of research around this. So they, they developed this model out of MIT by observing families for two years. They record all their conversations and they recognize that all communication falls into one of these four yeah. positions. Every statement you make, it falls into one of those four positions. And as a leader, what we often do is we want to stand in that mover position. I'm the leader. I guess I need to decide. I need to move things forward. Well, I want to invite all of the listeners to try on that bystand position, mm-hmm. especially when you don't know what to say. Right. When you don't know what to say, just say what the heck is going on for you. Like, just say, wow, this is really awkward. I don't know what to say. Right. <laughs> See how that just kind of breaks the ice by admitting that you don't know what to say, that you feel awkward. So maybe you kind of reflect what's happening for you internally. Like, hey, I'm feeling really awkward or I'm feeling really stressed in this moment because I, I don't know what to say. Maybe some of you feel the same way. That can help just break the ice and it will help facilitate discussion around it because you don't want to sweep it under the rug. You don't want to say, hey, Jim, that was inappropriate. Don't say that again, because that's going to, you know, maybe Jim had a really valid, valid point mm-hmm. and you want to hear it. You want to get more curious. So that's my, my, that's my leave it. You know, my last tip would be to embrace that bystand position when you don't know what to say, to just say what's occurring for you and what you're observing. Yeah. And the, the and observing is where I was going to go. So it's either this is what's true for me. This is how I'm feeling at this moment. I don't have the answers. It feels a little uncomfortable. Maybe some of you are experiencing that as well. Or the other option here, I will say, or the other option is to have that reflective observer conversation, right? What I hear or what I see is happening, what I hear from this person, this person, this person, just reflecting, just basically saying, this is my take on that. The the thing that I might add to that is, did I get that right? So that you can have the, the open dialogue to be able to, you know, for someone else to say, that was your interpretation. That's actually not what I meant. Let me clarify. Right. So that just keeps the dialogue going. And again, this comes back to coach coaching presence or coach presence, executive presence, 
So it's really at the end, if we boil all of this stuff down, it's really about self-awareness, conscious communication, emotional regulation, and that leads to behavioral change, which leads to business growth. You, you, my friend, are speaking my love language in all the ways. <laughs> yeah, I love this. Stefan, thank you so much for coming onto the show. I had so much fun talking with you today. Really, really excited. And thank you again. My pleasure, Kelly. It was, it was real fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you watch or listen. And a final note of gratitude to the official sponsor of Thrive, Accessibility the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Learn more about the win-win proposition and keep your clients' websites inclusive and compliant. Be sure to check out their partner program for your agency today at accessibility.com forward slash thrive.